Welcome back to another episode of the Radiate with Rita podcast. I am your host, Rita Utterback, and it is Endometriosis Awareness Month. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, I would be bringing on some fellow guest speakers who have endometriosis. I am super excited to have my friend Megan Cook on today. She's an online personal trainer and health and fitness coach. And we've been friends on Instagram for quite some time now. Most of my endo friends are online. We love it. We have to stick together out here, but I'm super excited for her to share a little bit more about her, her story. And then we're going to dive into some health and fitness topics that will be relatable to other people who don't exactly have endometriosis. So if you're a woman whether or not you have endometriosis, you will find benefit from this episode. So Megan, welcome. I'm super excited to have you today. It's really cool to be here, Rita. This feels, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why that intro made me a little bit emotional, I think, because like chronic illness can feel like an isolating thing. So to be sharing that space with somebody, I don't know, it's doing something to my eyeballs. Girl, I'm real. Okay, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, really excited to be here. Really honored. It's Endo Awareness Month and it's so important that we can do this together. Heck yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit more about you, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your endo story and how you ended up as a health and fitness coach. We would love to kind of hear more about that. Sure. So I am 29 years old. The 30 is quickly approaching this year and I live on the East Coast. Um, I have been an online uh, fitness and nutrition coach for a little less than a year now, but I began my journey back in my early 20s with my own personal health and fitness journey. Um, prior to experiencing and learning more about endo, I was just like the girl that would show up at the gym and run on the treadmill and maybe pick up a dumbbell, kind of like, look on my phone, maybe I could do this, whatever. But there was an attempt. I was excited about taking care of my health, but I didn't really know the direction to do that. And um, through my journey of health and fitness, I've been able to go through all different sorts of phases. And it's been interesting to watch my body change. And that's kind of what inspired me to get into this field, because I know what it's like to be on one side, and I know what it's like to be on the other. Um, that's like a brief history to get into the endo. But Around my early 20s, I think it was like 21 or 22, I really started paying attention to what was going on with my cycle and my symptoms. I had cramps, but everyone around you has cramps, right? They say like, once you get your menstrual cycle, you're going to experience something that's uncomfortable. Okay, no problem. But I noticed for me, like they were a lot more intense than the rest of my friends. Like I would have days where I would have the quintessential heating pad. It would always be with me. I'd hang out with my friends, bring my heating pad, plug it in to like have it on my stomach. And I'm like, okay, no one else is doing that, but no one else is really questioning it either. They're just kind of like, oh, she has cramps. And then as time went on, I began to take more painkillers and more painkillers and they were not working. I've even like, not to promote it, but I had taken some hard drugs from friends that had other things like Oxycontin to even just try and figure out like how to manage this pain. And it wasn't working. And so around my mid twenties is when I really started to get into the discovery portion of my journey. Instead of just trying to mask the symptoms, I wanted to figure out why the hell am I feeling this way? So I joined a bunch of online groups. I started tracking my cycle. I started like talking to other people, reading forums and piecing it together. I had a lot of symptoms that went along with endometriosis, which at the time, I believe if you remember Julianne Huff, she was big and dancing with the stars and she had endo. And I had just kind of started hearing about that. So that I was like, I feel like I've heard that word before, but then I started to talk with people more and I went to doctors and I said, Hey, I have really bad cramps. I think I have endometriosis. And I kid you not, this is what made me pause my journey for a little bit. I went to a gyno and she um, wanted to prescribe me Prozac for the pain. And I'm like, 
what What? yes what world are we living in because this was the first time I'm meeting her so she hadn't asked me anything about like my history like diet history exercise history life in general like didn't know yeah exactly I wish y'all could see my face right now (laughs) yes nothing nothing of the sort that I would have expected to happen no not at all and she was like okay well it can help with some SSRI control like your symptoms and how you feel and I'm like are you listening to me? Did you hear what I'm saying? And that came up as an option because I told her I was not interested in going on birth control. And that was all she had to offer me. And you know, you talk about it a lot on your page that, yeah, exactly. WTF that birth control is just shilled at you because they're like going to regulate your hormones, which is, is, that's not even like really a thing once you really learn about that. But that really kind of jarred me and it stopped me for a good two years to continue my journey because I felt so like, disrespected and shamed and embarrassed because I'm like it's really just my period that's causing this like am I crazy you get in your head being like is the pain really as bad as I think it is but like my ability to walk was becoming like affected because the pains were so bad they were like shooting down my legs and I was like curled up in a ball so after that I finally I was like 25 26 got a little bit more gumption and courage and I decided to take all my findings and bring it to a new doctor who was so fabulous and listened to me and finally gave me direction that was like, I believe you, I hear you. We're going to offer you the option of surgery if you would like to take it to see what's going on. So that was last February. And so almost a year, I think next week will be one year since my excision surgery. And there was a moment like before I went in, I was like, do I even have endo? Like, am I going to come out of this surgery and they're going to tell me that they found nothing? Because then I don't know what to do. I've exhausted all my options. But once I came out, the doctor came to me and he's like, yeah, so this is what we found. He had x-rays and he showed me like where all the scar tissue was. And there was like two, I don't know, two really polarizing feelings. One was like, oh my God, awesome. They found it. I knew I've been telling you this all along. I feel so empowered. And then the other side was like, okay, I have endometriosis, like legit. So like now what? But that was kind of like the timeline. And through all that, I began my journey with my coach as well, because I feel that all coaches need some sort of accountability, regardless of what sector you're in. But I began my journey in February with my coach as well to help come up with a game plan following surgery on how to better mitigate and manage my symptoms. So I know that was a little long winded, but it's there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and anybody that's experiencing any sort of issues of the menstrual chronic whatever can understand that. And unless you have endo or you have like a chronic pain condition, it is just, you'll never understand that feeling of like wanting the doctors to find something, but then also just being like, crap, now I have to accept this lifelong diagnosis. I was literally on a sales call with a girl this week. And she was just like saying, like, she was just really wanting her doctors to find something, but all of her tests just kept coming back negative. And it was just so frustrating. I mean, granted, they were just doing blood work, which isn't really going to show you if you have endo or not. But I just, I totally understand, you know, how you were feeling. So you went through a lot on your journey. I kind of want to hear you talk a little bit more about how you advocated yourself. Like, how did you go from that place where you were feeling, you were almost gaslit, right? Like your doctor basically handed you an antidepressant, which kind of just like implied that your doctor thought that you were Looney Tunes, right? Like they didn't like a medication for anxiety and depression when you were saying I have pelvic pain. Like, yes. because society has this notion <laughs> that women, like they're crazy and they get moody and they have hormones and mood swings. And it's like this laughing joke, like that women are just crazy when they're hormonal, but it's like, okay, like, why are we so hormonal? Why are we having all of these symptoms? So tell us a little bit about how yeah. you went from feeling super defeated to reaching out to another specialist and, you know, putting yourself back out there again. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually had more compassion from male doctors than I had from female. And it was a male who did my surgery. Usually how but it goes. It's it's so messed up. But right about the time when I had that first meeting, I came back feeling really defeated and confused. But I stayed the course and in the groups that I was in, I started really engaging with people, whatever terms they threw out, I would research whether it fit me or not. Then I would ask questions. I would read posts. I would spend like hours in different kinds of support groups. There's like endo ones and PCOS and digestive ones, just researching. And it's great because it's good to know like what's going on in your body, but also it's like, this is so much information that no one can point me in the right direction. So it's literally hours and hours and hours of research to get to that point. And there was a trip I will never forget. Like when you have really bad flare-ups, I can almost reflect on times in my life based on the flare-ups that I had because they're just, I don't know, they stick out in your brain because they're awful. But I was in New Hampshire. We were celebrating New Year's Eve. It was about to be 2021. And the pains that I had completely immobilized me. Like I could not get out of the bed. We were trying to go to dinner. I couldn't button my pants, which is not like that sometimes happens used to bloating, but it was so like my stomach was so distended. I was like hunched over on like this footrest thing. We were in an Airbnb and I'm just like clenching and gasping for air. I don't know if you get like this also, but I have like no tears left to cry. There's nothing. So you just kind of like grin it and you white knuckle it. And luckily my boyfriend, Anthony, he's so fantastic. We've been together 10 plus years now and he's just been along for the ride and does whatever he can to support me. So I'll be on like all fours and he was just like kneading in my back, but not much different than another night with an endo flare up, but that one was just so painful. Like I knew like I cannot continue this anymore. There is no denying it. I can't keep lying to myself because I, I feel like I kept being like, just take ibuprofen because then you have good weeks and you kind of forget for a week or so, oh, what it's like to have chronic pain. And then it hits you very, very badly. So that was the last straw, that trip. I just couldn't take it anymore. I consulted with one of my friends who had just gotten a new gynecologist and she said he was great. I'm like, okay, let's just go through the list then. If he doesn't work out, I'm going to call another one and call another one and call another one. Yeah. I was like, I don't even care how many people I have to talk to. I can't lie to myself anymore. And I'm kind of getting scared because this is not normal. You know, everyone around you would be like, yeah, it's not normal. You know, take some ibuprofen, but we're acknowledging that it's not normal, but is there a solution? But that was the turning point. Like it was just so, so bad that I could not ignore it anymore. And luckily my first try on my list of doctors ended up being a great person to go to, but I had spent the summer prior to that breaking out in hives that were streaking up my arm and they thought I had blood poisoning. They had put me on two rounds of antibiotic. They tested me for Lyme disease. I know if you could see Rita's face, it's just, it's disturbing all of this. They put me on medication for Lyme disease and then I had some trips coming up. I was completely just out of it because they gave me so much pain medication. I couldn't go on these trips and just trying to monitor the symptoms. It was just out of control. So it really just got to the point. I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I am 20. I was like 27 or 28 at that point. I am someone who is fairly active, works out anywhere from like three to five days a week. I'm up on my water. I'm up on my steps. I take my vitamins. Like you do everything that you're supposed to be doing and it clearly is an issue deeper than I can control so it was really just that one trip to New Hampshire that was it it was a nail in the coffin I, I was crying on the drive there screaming actually at the top of my lungs with Anthony in the car because I'm like it hurts because like I what am I gonna do just pull the car over on the side of the road Bye. get out and scream like a feral cat or something it was just uh, it was awful that whole trip was so awful 
you can't stop life for endo. And like, no. if you're an endo warrior and you're listening, I know you guys can relate to this. Like life does not stop for anyone. And it definitely doesn't stop when you have chronic pain. So girl, you went through so, so, so much. And while I'm not glad that you went through that, I'm so glad that you were able to, like you're on the second try, you were able to connect with a doctor who actually heard you, validated you, and didn't just throw an antidepressant at you. That was, I can't, I can't even believe it. I re I really can't believe it, but she did. And I had the bottle on my desk and I'm like, I'm not taking this, but I didn't throw it away. There, there was something in me that was staring at it. It was fueling a fire. It was making me angry, but I, I, just, I really can't believe that a doctor, that was their recommendation. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. No, you can't. can't. She was like annoyed that I was in her office. It's It was weird. That really is so ridiculous. Oh, anyway. So I know you mentioned you had your surgery. So when you had surgery, did you have ablation or did you have excision? And will you kind of tell us a little bit about where you're at now on your endometriosis journey? Yes. So I had excision surgery. I had done lots of research and I had seen that the chances of endo coming back and it more often than not will continue to grow, but the chances of it coming back with a vengeance and not clearing all of it out was with um, ablation. You just kind of burn it off, burn off the top layer and excision. You actually go in and you cut it out. And when I came out of surgery, my doctor told me there were pieces that he had went to grab and they just kind of like disintegrated and fell apart as he was picking up at it, which was really, really weird. But yeah, I had done lots of research and I asked him before I went into this, would this be excision or ablation? Because I would per prefer excision. And he said, we will do excision if it's under, I think it was like one centimeter, we'll have to ablate it because we physically can't pick it up. But he's like, I will excise like everything that I can. And he showed me where all the spots were, what he pulled out. But Unfortunately, there is lack of research in all areas of women's care, but with endo, and it seems like we're finally steering the ship a little bit and getting conversations going, but I know a little bit, a little bit, but doc doctors that are claiming to be specialists are still using these outdated practices and these can cause actually more harm. And if you're ablating something, you could cause more scar tissue, which is what you are removing. So it doesn't really make much sense. No. I understand maybe how many years ago that might've been the gold standard because there was lack of research but with what we know now I don't even know why that would be offered you know so he didn't ask me but I specifically made sure to ask him and like advocate for myself I've made it this far I'm not just gonna sit there and take it and like oh yeah burn me no take it out it's all good but um yeah and after that I actually I got up the same day I was in a step challenge I made sure to get my steps beforehand but then I got and I was moving after just to move the gas around but I found that recovery it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I wasn't in a tremendous amount of pain. And I think that speaks volumes to the pains that were in before the surgery, that recovery doesn't really seem like much, but I was up. I made sure that I would walk every single day because when they blow your stomach up so that they can get in there, they're pumping you with gas. So that has to come out. I made a joke with Anthony. I'm like, I'm going to be farting all week. You just, you just let it come out. And this is just air. It's just air, man. Cause Thank I really was, I was trying to push it out. Um, that was a little uncomfortable, but I found that the hardest part for me was, um, breathing when they had the, they put the tube. Yeah. It was weird. They put the tube down you because you have anesthesia. They're breathing for uh -huh. you. I'm, I'm never short winded. I like to talk a lot and I talk fast and with emotion. I have lots of energy and I was pretty silent for the week because I needed to focus on actually getting my full breath back. And I played instruments throughout school. I can hold a conversation without taking a damn breath. And that was really challenging. I actually heard um, it was like a popping squelch sound like under my rib. And I looked it up and they're like, you could have fluid in your lungs. Go to the hospital. I was like, 
I'm going to give it a day. I'm going to work at it. But I just kept practicing breathing. So like my whole week of recovery was centered around breathing, but I slowly started, I didn't have too much of a blow. There was a little bit there, but it slowly started to go away. And the first couple cycles afterwards, oh, I'll just throw this in there. I got my period two days after excision surgery. I'm like, yep, okay, this is where we're going. It was around the time I would get it. And I'm like, okay, so here we are. We've got some wounds bleeding. I'm in some um, disposable underwear right now. I'm recovering from this surgery. I'm also bleeding at the same time from a different place than I was bleeding during the surgery. It was like, what the? I don't want to swear, but I was like, really? Like, really, this is the journey. I'm going to get my period right now. So I had to deal with that. That was fine because with my symptoms, once I get my period, I am relieved. So that was good. But the first couple cycles after that, I didn't really notice any changes. And I remember I did an update on my social media page and I was sitting in my car after the first, this is where... It gets so sad because I really love my doctor, but this was the follow-up. I was sitting in my car afterwards and I was telling him everything I was feeling. And so he's like, we have two options. We can put you on this low hormone birth control. And he knows how I felt about that, but he's like, here's an option. Or we can talk about Lupron. I was like, no, I I'm not even getting conversation. It. Yep. I was, I was sobbing. And I tell you mm -hmm. when I had no tears left to cry, I can't believe that it actually came out. But when he said that, I just kind of shut down right there. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. It's almost like do your research on Lupron, Eat, like look in the groups, read up on it. It's very dangerous. In the groups, in the groups, y'all, in the groups, because they actually yeah. tampered with the clinical findings. It was never actually supposed to be approved for women to take. It was created as a chemotherapy agent for prostate cancer. It is a chemotherapy agent with sometimes irreversible side effects. Okay. Yeah, very, right. very Let's scary. But when he presented that option to me, I was like, I was rooting for you, man. You like, you had me up here. You got me on the table. You did excision surgery and then you're going to present me with Lupron. But you know what? I can't even be frustrated with him. I'm just frustrated at the system as a whole, because what he thought he knew was the right thing. And to an extent it was, but you need to seek out a specialist for endometriosis. A general gynecologist is not going to be the way nope. to go. Unfortunately, I think it might be great to get your foot in the door. If you need a recommendation, sure. You want to talk to somebody great, but you need to see a specialist if you are looking to seriously move forward. So after he presented that to me, I felt like super defeated. I was like, I just had surgery and now you're going to present me with this drug. The reason that I'm going through these hoops is so that I'm not going to be relying on medication and not that I'm villainizing medication, but I'm trying to take a different approach here. And that just kind of threw a wrench in the whole plan. So I was super defeated. I was just like sitting there in my car crying and then coming home and I had the birth control thing in my hand and I threw it on the table and I just kind of curled up for the rest of the night. And I remember that we talked that day and then I thought about it more. I had a conversations with my friends and my mom and they're like, maybe you should actually, you know, try the birth control if you think it'll help. And there was a part of me that was like, I, I want to give up at this point. But then another part of me was like, you've made it this far. Keep doing your research on it. But now that it's been about a year plus, I think that I've seen some positive changes. And that also goes along with the lifestyle habits, like my diet and exercise. It was decent beforehand, but I really made sure that after surgery, like I am going to get almost a hundred percent if I can, because I want to give myself the best chance. So it's, it's been okay. So what I mean by okay is instead of waking up three or four times a night during my flare-ups, I might wake up once and just like have to shift in bed and like massage a little bit. But beforehand, I would have to get up. I've got massagers. I have heating pad. I have CBD rubs. I have these like hard ball things. Like I would be up multiple times, like once an hour getting up to like massage myself. So that has been better. 
the last cycle that I had, I'm hoping that it was more of a fluke, but it was super painful. I don't know where it came from. So I'm just praying that, I don't know, bodies change. The temperature here has been negative eight as of two days ago It's 65 today. There's a lot of external factors as well. I know it's weird. It's gorgeous today, not complaining, but I'm, I'm trying to piece together why it might've been so because we have kept it managed for the most part. But every now and then it just comes for you. But I would say that it definitely was the right decision for me because it helped me understand more of what was going on in my body. And then I did see some positive changes, but the road ahead is still long, I believe. Wow. And just to kind of circle back to what you mentioned about, you know, finding a true endometriosis specialist. And for those listening, if you are new to endometriosis, like Megan mentioned, Standard OBGYNs are not it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that not all OBGYNs even know what excision surgery is, which is kind of actually harmful. In my opinion, my OBGYN didn't, I actually had to educate her on what excision surgery was. And I actually gave her the information of the excision specialist that I met with. I was, and she's like literally 35 years old. And I'm like, that's really sad that you're this young. You're essentially like the face of, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, I I just it just blew my mind like as a woman, you know, as a woman who takes care of endo patients, you really have no idea that excision surgery is a thing and you're willing to just keep cutting the same people over and over again and just burn off their tissue. And unfortunately, this happens to so many women like that same endo girl that was telling you about how to sales call with this week. She mean, she told me she literally just had ablation a few months ago. And to me, it's just like, wow, like these doctors are still pushing ablation. And I think for people, especially those who don't have access to excision surgery, because unfortunately not everybody has access to this. There are very, there's not a very large amount of surgeons that can actually perform the surgery and not all insurances cover it. So unfortunately for some people, ablation is the only option, but so many people are not even presented the option of excision, or they're not even being referred out to excision specialists. And this is actually problematic, right? Like you mentioned, getting the ablation can actually increase scar tissue. It increases the amount of times that you get cut, right? Because the tissue just grows right back. And even with excision surgery, I do want to mention this because So many women think that once they get the surgery, that they're automatically immune from endo growing back. And I know this might be a little bit tough for some endo people to hear, but endometriosis is very dependent on diet and lifestyle changes. And if you continue to do all the same things you did prior to your surgery, you have your excision. I'm not saying it is going to definitely come back, but it does have the ability to grow back. So really trying to work with your body can be super helpful. So Megan, I kind of want to hear a little bit more about the diet and the lifestyle changes that you implemented to better manage your endo symptoms. And I do want to preface this by saying that every woman with endo is going to respond differently to food. Not every girl is going to struggle with the same food. So we're not here telling you that you need to cut out all the things and do every single thing that Megan did. But I just do want her to kind of share a little bit more about what she did. Yeah, for sure. So I had mentioned previously that I decided to get myself also a nutrition coach and a fitness coach because I wanted to give myself the best chance of recovery and accountability while I help others. So I did that at the same time. I'm like, this is the plan. We're going full speed ahead. So the biggest change for me has been, I have gotten like, I want to say like super weightlifted, but I have 
gotten into weightlifting beforehand it would just be like silly dumbbell use or running on the treadmill because you're like oh that's what I have to run that's what healthy is but no we came up with a plan to build strength and I actually did what's called a reverse diet to help myself put on some healthy weight so I could build some stronger muscle that would help like have a little bit more body fat so that I would I would be able to respond better with my hormones and each person's going to be different but women in general have been chronically dieting for so long that our metabolisms are adapted. And that is one thing that can affect your hormones. And it, that's just how it is. So sometimes putting on weight is not a bad thing. And I've only kept about like five to six pounds of lean muscle, but that has helped me tremendously. Like as far as like regulating more hormones, I noticed that I don't struggle as much with the acne that I used to have since weightlifting. I don't think I was terrible about my water intake beforehand, but having somebody hold me accountable has made me very, very present on the amount of hydration I have in my system. As far as um, what I decided to take out of my diet, I went cold turkey on soy. Like I'm like, I don't know enough about like soy with endometriosis. I'm getting my Dutch test done. I'll talk about it in a second um, this month. And I'm interested to see where my levels of estrogen are, but I wanted to remove everything that could affect estrogen and just kind of get rid of that. Dairy for me, I have found hasn't affected me too much and I don't eat too much of it. Um, Greek yogurt is the majority of like what I consume for that, but I did kind of cut everything out that could cause inflammation just to start it like an elimination diet and then add things back in. So the only thing that I've really um, taken out that has been super helpful has been soy and we'll find out more once we do my tests for that. But I eat a lot of berries now too to get fiber in there and berries help with inflammation. So I'll eat berries like three times a day and I've noticed that does help. Luckily, I've never had an issue going to the bathroom, thank God, with this condition, because I know some women have excruciatingly painful bathroom experiences, but I've noticed that my bloating hasn't been bad, like, at all. I haven't had an instance where I couldn't button my pants anymore, and I do eat a lot of berries, and I love berries, so that's not a problem with that. I actually stopped taking a probiotic. I was taking one beforehand, and I'm like, I'm not actually sure if this is contributing or harming, so I'm just going to kind of take that out until we can do more research in my diet. I just kind of like bare boned it. Like what, what else can we get rid of? But you have to add it in one at a time. Cause if not, then you have no idea of what is going on in your system. But yeah. So I weight train between like four to five times a week, um, trying to hit my steps as best as possible. I usually am anywhere between like eight to 13 K in that range. So like 10 K is like what I go for. Let's see what else. Sleep is a huge factor. Not that I can control how often I wake up, but I've tried to regulate like a sleeping schedule. I've also just got myself a fitness tracker. I got the aura ring so that I can cycle track, figure out like where my body temperature is so I can take those findings, pair it with what's called a Dutch test, a dried urine test, comprehensive hormone. I think I'm going to pee on a couple pieces of paper all day and we're going to figure out how my metabolism or how my hormones metabolize in my body. I'm like just trying to find out as much information as I can about what's going in here, like going on in here. It's, it's a lifelong thing. The condition's lifelong. So yeah, strength training has been huge. And it's been really great to have a coach, somebody that I can kind of like throw my shit at if I'm not having the best day, because I'm not going to have the best day every day. That's how it is. I talked about on my story yesterday. I was frustrated that I woke up in pain. I threw a yogurt at the wall. Just did that. Not my greatest moment, but those things happen. And then I was nope. even more mad because I had to clean it before I left the house, which prolonged me leaving the house. But not every day is going to be great, but I'm doing the best I can to learn what's going on in here. But I don't know, just trying to be a healthy human. That's what it is. Just making the best choices with what I have. I totally understand that. And like, 
for those listening, Dutch tests are super insightful. They are very, very pricey, but if you have a condition like endometriosis that is dependent on estrogen, then you could potentially benefit from a test like this because while getting your estradiol blood levels checked can be helpful, you can have normal estradiol levels on your blood labs, but still not be metabolizing estrogen appropriately, which can cause you to be estrogen dominant. The Dutch test is super insightful. It looks at your liver metabolism. It looks at how well you're detoxing estrogen, and it will show you if you're pushing estrogen down pathways that can actually lead to cancer. It's really cool in the sense that like for me, when I got my Dutch test, I was actually pushing a lot of estrogen down a pathway that can lead to breast cancer. But with all the gut issues I had, the intestinal parasites, the mold toxicity, it's not really a surprise that my body and like with my liver being super congested, that my body was really struggling to detox. So when your body cannot appropriately detox the way it's supposed to, it's going to start shipping estrogen in other places. And for people like us with endo, that can be a little bit problematic. And I got my labs drawn, but on my blood levels, my estrogen was completely okay. So this is where things like the Dutch test can come in. But anyways, enough rambling about that. I've talked about advanced testing on previous podcasts. I want you to kind of explain like why as a coach and even as a coach, why it's helpful to have a coach and why like, you know, to a normal person that's listening, why it could be beneficial to work with a health and fitness coach. Yeah. Well, we, okay. So we have a goal. If you're listening to this podcast, it's pretty, I'm pretty sure that you have some sort of goal that you want to reach, but us as humans, we're capable of doing anything we set our minds to, right? But it's having somebody hold our feet to the fire and come up with a game plan and creating a strategy that's going to get us there. A lot of the times we're like, okay, I want to do this, but how do I do it? When you consult a specialist, they are going to lay the foundation for you, put a plan in place, and they're going to be your best cheerleader. They cannot do the work for you. I feel like it's always important to say that your coach is not the one putting in the work. You're the one putting in the work, but they are giving you the tools, putting the tools in your toolbox so that you can start tinkering away and building that house. I mean, for me, it was an absolutely a no-brainer. As a coach myself, I want to show up in the best way that I can for my clients. And for that, I have to have somebody hold me accountable. It's just what it is. Investing in yourself is the biggest return that you will get back. We only have one life. And I speak to everybody, but I really want, uh, you know, chronic sufferers to hear this, like, this is your body. This is your one life. If you are spending funds in all different areas of your life that are not enriching it, it's not to shame you at all, but it's turn your third eye in and figure out how can you better yourself? And that's by investing in yourself. You know, like we're just running ragged all the time, giving our time and energy into all these other places that it doesn't doesn't necessarily like serve us. Right. And you can, coaches can do, they can do a little bit for you or they can do a lot of it for you. It depends on what you need. I, I feel like it's almost mandatory that any coach has a coach and I don't want to again, shame anybody, but like, if you're serious about making a life change, you should have a coach yourself, but on the surface level, you have a goal. You want to reach it. This person's going to show you how to do it. And they're going to bring you along for the ride. It's kind of, it's just a no brainer. Just invest in yourself, people invest in yourself. Oh, I just want to scream it from the rooftops. I know. And it's so hard because people see the price tag and they're like, oh, I can't do it. But then people okay. spend so much Taylor money. Swift. I know. You I put it on your story. Started. Listen, it's so bad. The Taylor Swift thing. And then people really don't stop to think how much money they spend on insurance, how much money that they are paying as their deductible each year before their insurance will 
even actually cover stuff. And the crazy thing is, as I'm literally coming across more and more insurance companies and doctor's offices refusing to order basic labs on people, right? Like some insurances are not even coming, covering generic labs. And it is just crazy, but take the time to invest in your health people, because I mean, you literally, I know it can be really scary to, you know, give a whole bunch of your money to a stranger on the internet that you probably just only know from social media, but this could literally be the one thing that could really actually allow you to work towards healing. I literally can't tell you how many endo clients I have and how many of them like, and I'm not trying to bash conventional medicine. Like there's a time and place, but how many women with endo, we start working together. We start diving into some things and they start literally after years, I'm talking about almost a decade of suffering. They're actually getting to a place where they have a normal life, just a kind of a normal life as normal as it can get. Right. Can get, um, yeah. <laughs> just by making some diet and lifestyle changes and focusing in on what they actually need versus just handing out blanket recommendations. Here's birth control. Here's Lupron. Here's mm -hmm. the anti-inflammatory diet cut out X, Y, and Z. Like we all need different things. And this is where investing in a coach or a practitioner or somebody that can just take a deeper dive into your health can tell you exactly what you need. Your coach, you're talking to them you know, unless you're doing bi-weekly, which some coaches do that, but like my clients, they check in with me every week. I, I know more about their menstrual cycles than they do. And yeah, they'll right. see that, right. Like literally I'm like, Oh girl, I know your period's coming just by how you're <laughs> typing in your check-in. I know, you know what I'm talking about, but I mean, really like these, like it's crazy to me. Like doctors will see their patients for 15 minutes once every six months, or maybe twice, you know, like maybe like just once a year. And there's like, Oh, Sign you're fine. Here you go. You're okay. And it's like, wait a minute. Like what? It just, it does not make And sense. I will say my personal philosophy as a coach is like, I want you to become strong and independent. Like, right. You're not going to need me forever. As much right. as I would like to have you forever. My job is to give you the tools, the education yep. to inspire and empower you so that, you know, after we've been together for a while, you have everything you need to go off and be successful. You're more than welcome to stay. But my philosophy is like, I want you to be independent. I want to get the bird out of the nest. You know, I, when we think about it, we're not just here. We're not here to take people's money. Like we are here to better them. So it's an right. investment in yourself that will pay off. Just like you make an investment in your school. Like you pay for your school books, you pay for your education or any sort of event or conference you go to. It's no different just because we're online and you actually are in a place where you can create more value for people and help put money back in their pocket because you're, you don't have to see them in person. And that, right. that that's great. I don't know. That's just my invest philosophy. Invest in your health now or invest in it later. Stickiness. I always say this and I'm saying this as somebody that used to work in the ER as a medical scribe. So before I was a women's health and fitness coach, I actually wanted to go to PA school. I have always been super passionate about all things health y'all and working in the ER and seeing chronic disease. And I live in the South. So let me tell you, chronic disease is no stranger here. And by chronic disease, I mean things like diabetes, hyperlipidemia, AKA high cholesterol, hypertension, chronic kidney disease. And so many of these conditions can be improved by diet and lifestyle changes. But unfortunately in conventional medicine with these types of diseases, you know, they're just handed a script. There's no, Hey, why do you have hypertension? Which can sometimes come down to magnesium deficiency or super high stress. There's absolutely none of that. So, you know, mm -hmm. like I said, invest now or invest later, but like eventually, like I mean, I'm, not I'm not trying to say it's going to catch up to you, but y'all, we cannot live like we cannot be a jerk to our bodies forever. Like it will eventually come back to bite us.
Yep. You think you're on top of the world and then all of a sudden you're 25 and then you just can't hang anymore. You're invincible till you're not. (laughs) I had to learn that the hard way because your girl was doing all the things. I like with with my endo, just running myself into the ground. I was like wondering why I felt so bad. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then you have like the worst pain of your life and you're like, okay, this is not fine. So it, it does catch up to you. It really, really does. So girl, like we've just had such a great conversation. Like we've just talked about so much and so much of this, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast can be relatable to everyone. Even if you're just a girl with painful periods, you can still do a lot of the same things that we mentioned to improve your cycle quality. Megan, I'm sure works with a lot of women who have painful periods. And I know you work to overall help people improve their overall health and wellness. Um, And I just, I kind of want to ask you one last question before I have you kind of tell us how we can find you on social media, but if you could give endo babes or women who suspect they have endo one piece of advice on their health and wellness journey, what would that be? All right, ladies, listen loud and clear. Do not be afraid to be your biggest advocate. I wish that I had learned a little bit early on in my twenties to do so, but I got there when I got there. But as someone who has been through it, please be bullish. Please be brash. Do not be afraid to speak up. If your doctor isn't jiving with you, find a new doctor. It's a lot of work, but you need to advocate for yourself. Now that I'm coming out of my 20s, I know more than I did going in and I'm not afraid to stand up for myself, but do not be afraid. This is your one body. Like literally, if you are having these incredibly painful periods or something's not right, listen to yourself and trust your gut. Advocate for yourself. And if you don't know where to start, hook up with any of us on social media, ask questions. We can help point you to some resources or in the right direction, or just hype you up if you need it. But like advocate for yourself. I've had a couple women that have come into my inbox. We talked about the surgery. They got approved. They had it and they're having a better quality of life. And yeah, it makes me fucking emotional because like, they were like, you have inspired me. I've watched you. Now I think that I know that I can take this next step, but do it. Stand up for yourself. We got you back. Megan, that was so, so, so beautiful. So like Megan mentioned, you can totally slide into our DMs and ask questions. Realistically, most endo people are pretty warm and welcoming because we have almost all been in a place where we have one felt super alone and two are in a place where we're just wanting to learn more and understand because let's be real, our medical providers, most of them anyways, are not really educating us about this disease in the way that we're hoping they will, if that makes sense. But um, anyways, Megan, where can our listeners find you on social media? All right. On social media, I'm at, this is all one word, the princess of protein. Cause I help women get stronger. Oh yeah. Not like you can see this video, but I'm flexing right now. <laughs> you got some juicy yes. biceps too. Hey. Yeah. At the princess of protein. I want to empower you to get stronger and not be afraid to step into your womanly body. I don't know if that's a, a real thing, but I just threw it out there. I think that's a really real thing. So guys <laughs> give give her a follow. She's super awesome. Like I've mentioned her, actually, well, you guys didn't hear me say this. We took a little uh, pause for a minute, but Megan has amazing energy and she is just a ray of sunshine. Like you go to her Instagram and you can instantly just sense the warmth and just like the passion that she has for what she does. So give her a follow. And Megan, it was an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast today. I know this is like the first time we've like sat down and talked face to face. My heart needed this. My heart definitely needed this. The more people I can connect with in this space, the better I feel. Mine too. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. And next week I will also be having another 
guest who also has endometriosis. So be sure to tune in and we will see you guys next week. Hey babe, my Holistic Harmony group coaching program, a 12-week program to restore hormone balance is launching on April 3rd. This program is for you if you are a woman who struggles with painful periods, intense PMS symptoms, cravings, fatigue, bloating, digestive issues, you're wanting to learn how to best support your body when coming off of birth control, you're wanting to optimize ovulation and fertility, or you're a health and fitness coach who is wanting to learn a little bit more about women's health and hormones so that you can incorporate it into your coaching with your clients. All of my podcast listeners will receive a 10% off discount for this program. So if this is something you're interested in, please shoot me a DM on my Instagram at radiate with Rita and I will see you guys there. (music) 